Welcome to Sex Empowerment with Helen and Halima. Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you are here listening to our podcast. I am Halima, joined by my co-host, Helen. Hi, everyone. Yes, and we're going we're gonna to touch on a very important topic. I'm sure many of you have been hearing about the modern day dating issues and men and women and gender wars and all this different stuff. But guess what? We're going to tell you what is wrong with modern day dating and get to the core issues that is causing this division or this friction and lack of harmony between women. So we're going to dig deep and let's get started. <laughs> That's one of my favorite topics to talk about, um, Helen. So when it comes to modern day dating, I just want to just touch on the term modern, right? Because that seems to be a theme uh, of late of modern women, modern dating. So when we say modern dating, what are we specifically speaking about? I think um, as soon as we say modern dating, to many people's mind, it comes online dating. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, uh, somehow associated modern dating is associated with an online dating. And the problem with that is that we are we have too much accessibility to ourselves and we give out too much information to the outside world. So when you start dating someone or someone starts dating you, they already know everything about you or can know everything about you if they want to. And that destroys that mystery, that motivation to go and meet someone in person, to find out more about them, to learn more about them. It kind of kills that necessity. And I think it's one of the main problems of modern dating. Yeah, if there's no mystery, um, there's no, um, there's, there's a mask and a feminine mystique. And I think social media has kind of like ruined that aspect of everything. <laughs> Um, but also people themselves, because we present too much, too much information about our life on social media. We go to a restaurant, take food, we, we take picture of what we eat, you know, what we drink, what we do. Like, it's unbelievably how much people display. Compared to a time, they wave yeah. for social media where you met someone in school, let's say you're in high school or something like that, um, and you only had the information that was available. Like, you see them in school, you know, you have no classes with them, you may hang out at football games or whatever, but you could, you didn't maybe see them in a bathing suit or in all kind of clothing, or you didn't know everything about them. Um, it wasn't so accessible. And I think that curiosity isn't there anymore to want to get to know somebody, see them, let's go to the face so they can see you in a bathing suit. Now it's like they can just click on a lot of uh, profiles and see everything. Where back in the day, um, you had to be invited to a beach party or a, on a date or something yeah. like that. There was like the imagination just is gone. Everything was just seen. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's a big problem for many people because, like I said, it kind of um, eradicates that necessity to go and meet someone in person. Why to do that effort? Why, why to make that effort if you have all the information in front of you and then you start 
communication uh, on text messaging and that's it. Like the um, spark is gone. So it kills the effort or kills the drive or kills the curiosity for people to want to know more about you because everything, there's really no mystery there. Um, And again, just comparing it back into the day, I also think that modern day, modern dating is also just how the current times just, just, just including technology and social media, but also the mindsets and beliefs um, and the traditions that have uh, changed over time. Like I was telling Helen, like in, in my mom's day, um, if you didn't have a ring before a prom date, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> For your prom, it was a big deal. Like, you know, most of these, most of the young ladies were engaged in their senior year or, or even married right after high school. So, and that's, Pros and cons to that. But I'm not saying one era is better than the other, but I also think that modern day cl- includes the beliefs, um, um, the mm, evolution, you know, um, and it's different times altogether. Again, like, there was all social media back then to get to know people. Yeah, exactly. And there is uh, this um, movie called Cat Person that I would highly recommend to watch. It actually shows what modern dating looks like. It's kind of a bit of like a mockery to the modern date, um, modern day dating, when uh, people uh, create assumptions about uh, other person. When you start dating someone, you create assumptions based on the text messages that you receive, and then you create completely different image that is has nothing to do with the reality because you don't bother to go and find out the reality to get to know that person more to experience something with that person and then uh, there is disappointment as a result yeah so how we interpret our text messages especially if you don't know someone if you know someone you can misinterpret it something and that can cause you to get in your head. But if you don't really know anyone and you're starting off, then there's a probably a, a high prob- probability you're going to misinterpret something. So in the movie you were saying that there's, uh, because this is fear, if you will, yeah. that um, people are afraid to connect, you know, at least be forthcoming or honest. Um, I, I wouldn't even say that. I, I'll take that back. I would say... Some people are very guarded mm-hmm. in, in dating because there's just this fear of, you know, we, we hear the story in that house and so we yeah. find those stories. Yes, fear of being hurt, fear of meeting someone who wants to have bad things, you know, do bad things. I mean, we, we are full with all those horror, horror stories and uh, obviously we are suspicious to people that we meet. Yes. That's the thing when suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. And then people be suspicious though, Helen, when you're meeting somebody, a complete stranger online, shouldn't it be a level of suspicion? No, of course you should be kind of cautious and suspicious. I mean, I'm not uh, saying that you should be like open to everybody you meet online and uh, lose your open heart. But uh, I mean, when you meet someone, um, try to um, use as... Uh, this communi- online communication as little as possible. 
and try to meet them in public places, try to get to know them. And of course, uh, it doesn't guarantee anything, but there are certain things that you still can, you know, see and learn and find out. So, yeah. I see what you're saying. You say you want to minimize a lot of the, um, what we, what we are now more comfortable with is the texting, um, yeah. the messaging, um, when you, when you're meeting, yeah, when you're meeting someone, when you met someone, the communication on text message, you know, online should be to the minimum and it should be only reduced to the logistics, maximum good morning, good evening, you know. That's my maximum, but you're not kind of sitting there right until three o'clock in the morning, your life story to someone, because it, there is like less chances of getting to know that person more. Yeah. Cause back in the day, we didn't have that. It was a telephone and you know, if you had siblings, good luck getting the phone. <laughs> so you had to wait till you saw them in person, even if, you know, in- you know, I remember going crazy one day because I had this crush on this young guy named Todd. And I think he was sick or I was sick or I was out sick. And that was frustrating. Man. <laughs> you can see them. The only time you could see them is if they were at school at that point or they, you know, rode their bike to your house. Now, I, mean, I couldn't imagine not having those experiences, you know. But um, so minimize the social media engagement when you're getting to know someone. Um Use it for the bare minimum and then get in person, engage with someone uh, in person so that you can really get to see who they are. That's basically what I'm getting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So going back to this lack of mystery, <laughs> um, I know we have that aspect of social media. But we also have an aspect of lack of mystery because we may talk a lot about our exes, our past experiences, even sometimes on a first date where confessing our whole, you know, life story. Uh, is that something you would recommend, Helen? That's horrendous, especially when, uh, you know, when you watch these uh, programs on dating, when people, and I think it's promoted as well for, um, you know, when, um, if you ever saw this kind of uh, programs when people dedicated to, to dating, when people just meet like, on TV, right? And it's kind of encouraged to talk about their past lives, about their exes, about their previous relationships, basically bringing all that um, baggage to the table. You are here on a new date. You are about to start a new life, turn the new page in your life. Why are you bringing that uh, kind of, uh, you know, that uh, garbage from your past? Talking about your exes uh, going through that traumatic experiences again, looking at the new person through the prism of that negativity, because in most cases, um, past relationships uh, associated with negative stuff. I mean, obviously there are uh, experiences when, you know, there is a positive, but in most cases when you came you know, over that when you want to start a new life, why would you speak to someone new about your ex on the first date? And why is that recommended? That just makes no sense. <laughs> that there are some coaches who recommend this. 
No, no, I'm saying, uh, you know, like uh, TV shows uh, oh, and the participants, uh, they all talk about their exes, their previous uh, relationships on TV. And I don't know if it's like promoted by TV, if promoted by those, uh, you know, directors who set up these programs or what is that? But it's kind of like, uh, like encouraged why can't they talk about their interests, their pleasures, their activities, what they want to do, their plans? There is lots to talk about. Why do you need to spend a good chunk of this program talking, discussing your past? Yeah. And in real life, if I, if I go out with someone on a date and they bring up their ex, that's a, that's a red flag. Yeah. That's a, that's a turn off. It, it means that person is not over that relationship yet. Exactly. And don't get me wrong, of course, if you start dating someone and it's going well and you feel like, uh, okay, there's something serious might happen, it's essential to talk about your previous life. It's essential to bring out skeletons from your wardrobe because obviously, um, you know, it's important to, to know what you're going to deal with, what you're going to face. It's important to be honest, but it should happen at specific time of your dating period. And I always say, like, it should happen when you're already serious, going into serious relationships with someone, and you just kind of open up things that, you know, the other person might have to deal with. And you dedicate specific like time for that briefly, telling them, listening to their stories, and that's it. You don't ruin that experience with your past. Mm. So okay, so this whole off this, this other you know theme of intimacy or vulnerability. Um, let's kind of break that down and see what's there because sometimes people say, okay, be be vulnerable enough to share yourself. And then the person shares you the whole past relationship details on the first date. Is that true intimacy, though? I mean, does intimacy have to be built on trust? Or what is behind, you know, unpacking your past relationships on a first date or even a second date? For that? Um, I don't think it should be on first or second date. That's for sure. But um, later in the kind of dating, yes, it's important to open up some unpleasant um, things that you might have in your life in front of the other person, especially if you're planning to be in serious relationships with them, because you don't want to kind of take them by surprise. Right, right. But there are certain things, uh, for example, uh, that are important to you and they might not they might not be okay with that. So obviously you need to let them know that this is what, you know, is part of my life and I'm coming into this relationship. So is this baggage or is this kind of thing? Are you okay with that? Because I like you very much. I want to be with you, but this is kind of conditional offer here <laughs> in a way. And the other person is the same because we all have something in our life Nobody's perfect. But uh, what I mean by that is that when there is some kind of chemistry established, when people uh, like each other, when they want to continue their working on their relationships, that's when they can open up in order to trust each other, in order to 
build that connection more. But you don't do it on first date before you even learn the name of the person. Because your dating is not a psychological session with someone. You're not coming to date for therapeutic uh, program. You're coming to date to meet someone, to enjoy it, to make their life enjoyable, you know, to, to have a, a good time and to meet someone who you want to build relationships with. You're not there to um, for someone to listen to your psychological problems. That needs to be a banner somewhere. That needs to be a commercial. (laughs) I think so many, you know, they confuse the two. They feel that their partner is their dumping ground, if you will, or even their therapist. And sometimes that can have consequences that may be unwanted. (laughs) I mean, there are obviously situations, especially when it comes to, say, because there is a difference when uh, different recommendations for women dating men and di- different recommendations for men dating women in a way. So, like, when women come to um, to dating and they start open up about them their problems, that's a big no, because that's, like, something that obviously can completely, like, ruin your chances of meeting someone great and i would say the same to men as well but um in some situation again closer like a bit later to the dating process men can open up with this woman if he trusts her if he's building this trust and he can open up to her and just the fact that she's able to listen to him and to like actively listen to him and support him in that can establish like really good connection because it's much more difficult for men to open up about like some kind of painful, serious matters, uh, even to open up to their mates or to, you know, whoever. It's much easier sometimes for women to share these things with their girlfriends or with their, like, I don't know, mother or uh, friends uh, or, like, relatives, but it's much uh, more complicated for guys. But um, uh, what I'm trying to say is that I don't want to sound like I'm encouraging guys to to kind of to use women as a, uh, as a shoulder all the time. No, but there could be moment when he can open up and if she's in the right moment, she's supporting him, that brings up more chances to establish that um, intimacy, that connection. And of course, it has to be change of subject, because if you open up all the time, all the days, it's all about your pain, then I'm sorry, it's obviously not going to end up well <laughs> for the person who's listening. But I hope I'm clear what what, what I uh, tried to yeah. say. Yes. And so let me see if I can summarize it a little bit about, um, first of all, our, our partners, our potential prospects, our uh, playmates, if you will, they're not our dumping grounds for our, our trauma or for our wound. So we have yeah. to be mindful of that. Um, and also you were saying that men um, are, it's more challenging for men to open up about their problems, you know, um, for various reasons. That's why I'm sure most women can agree to that. First of all, they're not as communicative as we are as women. We're 
<laughs> women love to talk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, you know, we all, we all know this. So, um, so when there's an opportunity or when he feels comfortable and if the woman's actively listening, that's an opportunity to deepen intimacy, trust, trust level. Now, that's not going to happen every day and all the time, or then you are a dumping ground <laughs> or for trauma. And that's not, that's problematic as well. So, um, and I, I, it's very important to really, you know, uh, understand why that is, why your partner isn't a dumping ground or, you know, your therapist. Of course, we're going to listen, we're going to support, um, but we're not, I don't want to be in my relationship the constant dumping on the constant, you know, because there's therapists. That's Helen. She's a therapist. <laughs> and you can get professional support. There's something your partner it may be out of out of their um range of skill and ability and you need to seek out professional help. Yes. Absolutely. So did I did I summarize that okay? So uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> um I also want to talk about some of the modern day dating things I hear from podcasts and maybe I'm just going to throw them at you um, and see what comes up for you. One of the things that um, I hear um, both uh, men saying um, one of their concerns of dating quote unquote modern women, which is a part of it, um, is they don't want to date women with so with a high body count or a lot of part who had previous partners. And I know you said earlier that our psychology is different. Male psychology is different. Women's psychology is different. So if a woman begins to open up early on about her sexual experiences, is that a smart thing to do? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I would say to women, you do not open up about your sexual experiences at all if you, you know, if you don't feel like and even if you feel like you just don't open up <laughs> because it's not gonna work in your favor yes obviously you cannot lie you cannot hide the fact that you had relationships but don't go into details about them just say just say yes i had relationships so i had children from previous marriage it's fine. We we went different ways. It's done and dusted. Done and dusted. But here's the thing. I think what gets women into this um, wanting to share is because men often may say certain things about, oh, she was, you know, you know, the little black book of names or they'll say certain things to women. And women um, will want to say it back. Well, you know, I had this. So it becomes a competition again, which yep. is problematic. So again, our psychology is very different. Now we, women may feel hurtful hearing some things, but it's very different to a man's psychology when you begin to unpack your sexual history. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what is the benefit of this? It's your life, it's your history, it's your uh, valuable experience because every experience whatever you had in the past is valuable whether it was negative or positive it's your experience it's your treasure keep it there nobody needs to know details you don't need to uh, you know open up to your new relationships because it will only make situation worse 
because you are there to meet someone new. You are there to meet someone amazing, to build new life with that person. Why do you need to drag your past to the table? And, right. and guys, men and women, right? Men and yeah, women. But the guys, they're very curious always. They ask too many questions that they regret afterwards. But they still want to know. They know that they shouldn't ask this question. They still do. And wise woman would say to him, look, you know, yes, I have history. I have the past, but I'm not going to go there. I'm just here with you. I want to know you more. I want to, you know, create something new. And that will be the end. And that will be the mystery that a modern dating lacking so much <laughs> so that yeah that adds to the mystery um because at that point there's only speculation there's nothing to really to go with um and of course if you have children this assumption is made that you have sex before right um so what is it about the male psychology that wants to think that his woman is a virgin before he met her like what is it about the conquering or the peeing on the tree kind of thing I think it's all coming to that, uh, you know, descendants to uh, children, obviously, to purity of genes, purity of blood. It's kind of historical thing. Obviously, it doesn't have anything um, kind of practical in the way. And, uh, you know, reality is different. But yes, men, they have that um, kind of saying at the back of their mind that woman has to be pure, she has to be virgin before she met him. However, she has to be uh, sexually, um, sexual expert as well, yeah. even though she's <laughs> virgin, but she, <laughs> she, she has to be expert as well at the same time. How it's going to happen, who knows, but never mind. <laughs> so there's a religious aspect to this too then some form of religious thing as well, like the whole virgin aspect. And not not just to, to religious people. It's kind of at the back of some men who are not religious at all, just kind of an average man. He just wants to, like I said, I think it's coming historically to the roots that he wants to preserve his, um, his genes, basically, his blood, his... Uh, okay. Purity. Yeah. Yeah. So is that why they say that a lot of men don't want to date single mothers or take on the responsibility of another man's children? Is that connected? No, I don't think so. I think um, um, when man likes a woman, he likes her and he likes everything that comes with her. So if men really into this woman, he will accept her children, he will accept everything that comes with her. If man doesn't like woman that much, or maybe he's not responsible, or he's got his own personal issues, then he tries to uh, invent excuses. Oh, I don't want to date woman with children, or because you're you're not dating children, you're not dating you're dating woman, and if you like woman. You like everything that comes with. Okay, so that's a different spin. Well, you know, it's it's, it's not um, quite shocking to hear, but I, it's very, um, it goes against what I hear a lot of men saying that they don't want to take care of another man's child because they like, they comes from some type of, again, um, uh, taking care of somebody else's seed, if you will, which goes back to the 
the genetic survival. I mean, we, we say lots of things. We have like, again, our imagination, our plans. Uh, we want uh, to meet someone with blue eyes, for example, or with right. you know, with penis of certain size or with, you know, boobs of certain shape, you know, it's imagination. When we meet someone who we really love, fall in love with, we really like, we don't look at anything. We just want that person to be with them. And we accept everything that comes as a package with that person. But this really comes down to a heart issue then, not more of a survival or genetic one. It's like the, if you love someone, then yeah. that's what comes with, this is what comes with it. I uh, know a lot of stories when a uh, man was falling in love and taking women with five children, with six children, with uh, disabled children, you know, and with children and uh, mother-in-law, like, you know, like it's, it's all excuses. It's all about, you know, if you like person, you don't care. Yeah. Like my, my father, um, never had an issue. And the, um, he dated a woman who had three children. Um, that's my best friend. I tell you about a lot. Um, we've been best friends since we were like 15. Um, and he, he called her his daughter. So, um, and he had a, a separate relationship with her. So, um, and she had a father and a mother that were divorced. So I'm just saying, it was like, I think a lot of this stuff is coming from the fear. Uh, it's the fear of feeling like you're, like you don't have the capacity to love or yeah. support another child. I and mean, children are innocent. I don't yeah. be. Yeah. And then you find excuses to justify yourself or, you know, whatever. People find lots of excuses. Yeah. But there's always a reason to love, right? It's always reason to love, right? So, um, okay. So we're going to go, we went into the um, body count. Um, oh, okay. So the the age struggle you know we talked about this on our uh how to look great and feel sexy after 40 but this uh, is there a um a time limit in which you would you recommend women to get married so that they're not so they're still sexually desirable and wanted or is there a shelf life to a woman yeah, I think it's a problem of a lot of women because of child care, you know, childbirth facility. Some again on subconscious level, women are more in a rush to get married and to have children, and like there is expression, clock is ticking, you know. <laughs> the biological clock is biological <laughs> clock, yeah, but um, and. Some women, even in their twenties, start panicking about this. Um, but um, and it's not just women, men as well. But it's all coming from fear, do you think, or there's some practicality to this? Well, it depends. Obviously, if somebody really wants to have family, have children, then there is some kind of uh, and they they've been single or they can't find someone who they want to be with, then there is like a mixture of obviously practicality and fear that there might be, you know, time passes and they won't be able to, they won't have time to set up family or something. But for relationships, I don't think there is any age limit. People meet at any age. 
and able to establish happy relationships. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. And I, I think it goes back to the fear thing. You know, if you feel like your time is running out, if you feel like you're too old, um, you're buying into these ideas and notions and concepts that you're too old, that you're not, da, 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 you know, um, then you're going to digest those things and make that your reality. I mean, no one has um, control over your thinking and your ability to vision um, and imagine your desire and co-create your desire. So, um, but I do know we get stuck in that, stuck in that um, hamster wheel, doubt, yeah. insecurity. People have fears of different types. There are people who have fear that they won't be able to have children, but there are people who have fear that they will be able to have children. They don't want this because they are worried that they won't be able to take care of them for some reason. So there are lots of um, different fears. We are like fear-driven creatures. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's the that's what's the underlying issue in the dating process uh, yeah. is that people fear they're going to be hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, what we see, I think, is a lot of withholding. Even though social media is a lot of reveal, there's a lot of, you know, showing and telling, there's a lot of withholding as well, like from the heart space. You know, you're withholding, you know, love, you're holding um compliments you're holding appreciation and gratitude you're holding these things at the same time there's so much being projected on the social media uh, platforms it's just it's very interesting yes i agree um i think uh, what we lack we lack just human contact human communication and human contact more of it i agree as a big one, because I, I do think through this process of technology and having access to so much information, um, and many of it could be very disempowering. You got some really great, you know, venues for empowerment, but you, have a, you hear a lot of disempowering things. Um, and so it's easy to humanize, you know, men or not see them as whole, the emotional human creatures. And it's also the same with women. You discard them or you, um, diminish them to just being sexual creatures, you know, yeah. or man a bank account. <laughs> you know, yeah. I hear, I hear women saying, oh, when they talk about qualifying for a man, they say, oh, he has to make this amount of money. And so oh, that's it. Like, what are your thoughts on that health? Again, it's historically, um, because uh, <laughs> going back to <laughs> Historical development on subconscious level, women want to to be with partner who will be able to take care of them and their children. So it's understandable when women want men to make money to be able to provide for them. But modern women make money as well. Modern women, uh, a lot of modern women have uh, jobs then they can provide for themselves. And that can also create um, a lot of additional problems because in cases like this, uh, when women too independent, they basically take away that responsibility from men and men, and that creates a lot of um, irresponsible men who don't want to take, you know, responsibility. Why would he, if she can take care of herself? We saw that play out in the movie that we saw a uh, fair play yeah and uh yeah when the, they were in the stock 
marketing industry or something like that. And she gets promoted to a job that her man, she thought her man was getting promoted to. And then she does really well. She gets this commission, the six figure, like it was like 300. It was a big commission check. And when he saw that check, <laughs> it's like, I can't even imagine what was going through the mind. It was like 300. I mean, who can compete with that really? Unless you're even, you know, unless you're writing the check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's unfortunately part of the problem of the modern world because um, men basically are not needed and move to that kind of category uh, when they're stripped of their responsibilities, their masculinity, their like need in them apart from child bearing bank, Ch- child cre- creating bank. <laughs> in a way and that's uh, that's part of the problem as well well there's a lot to unpack with that um there's a lot of ways to you know that's a lot to that that will probably take more time than we have now because we're wrapping up um any last um comments for um nuggets you want to share with the listening audience yes just uh, basically um if you are in the process of dating someone try to um, establish that human connection try to um, kind of go back to to the authenticity of this process when it used to be in uh, old times when people um, communicated met face to face went on some kind of experiences rather than sit on phone and text each other because it's not um, going to take you anywhere Especially if you're fear-driven that you're not going to meet someone in the right time and you're not going to have family in the right time. So get out of your place, go out to the world and meet people. I love it. And um, I'll put your your link to the website here for those of you who want to get into contact with Helen. Um, I just want to add that. It's like I, I love what we're saying about connecting the aspect of but it's also about embracing your own and it can offer it to someone if you don't have a deep appreciation for yourself um flaws and all like everything not just uh what you like but all the things that um you may not want to acknowledge right um and i I think that um when you're able to embrace your full humanity you can offer that for someone else and the fear that to me, the underlying cause of this whole issue of uh, dating, modern day dating, gender wars, et cetera. Um, it's like, why is it so hard to love? Like, I always ask myself this question almost every day. Why is it so hard to love? I ask my clients as well. What is stopping? Why is it so hard? Because it, in, in my reality, it's easy to love. But we make conditions to make it difficult because there's means. We're, we're confusing need with love and there are two different levels there's two states of different states of completely different states of being um because the state of love is is about others it's about giving you know it's it, it you know it it's about freedom and appreciation why why would you deny that like what is what what is it in us <laughs> that um resists the harmony the the um uh, of respect, respect of others, right? The reverency. What is it in us that that resists 
you know, compassion, you know, forgiveness. What's in us that resists uh, the the harmony, you know, and beautiful love? And what is it? It's something that we're resisting, right? Um, and that's something to unpack um, uh, within yourself to figure out what is it in you that's resisting these these beautiful, uh, joyful, um, and holistic. It's your nature, actually. I think you're really resisting your nature. Yeah, and I think love is one of the most difficult questions that humanity has been struggling with over a period of time since humanity exists. <laughs> but I think um, why it's so difficult to love, it's difficult to those who don't love themselves because you can't give something if you don't have it in you. And obviously, for some people, it's not a difficult question to love. Yeah, but for some people it is, unfortunately. And I think at the core, that's who we are, but there's an overlay of trauma, there's an overlay of wounds and experiences that we're not able to get to that core of ourselves um, because these beliefs that we have about this this, um, disconnecting protocol, if you will, um, between, you know, between the love and the the wounds and the trauma. So... um, as you said, it's a fascinating discussion. And as you said, this is this question has been asked for centuries. Like, why poets, great poets, have pondered these questions? But I do think it's a worthy uh, investigation to ask yourself. So, with that being said, um, we're going to close this out. It's been a pleasure, Helen, as always. Thank you, Halima. Thank and you for listening, everyone.